What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Loot Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Resident Daryl, and this week we got another uh, survival horror showdown. This will be the last one for a little while that myself and my co-host, Josh Adams, got together and did. Uh, this week it will be Resident Evil 4 versus Silent Hill 4. Uh, so we had a really good time, got together, chatted about some games that we both really love. Um, this one was a little bit different than the rest of them because this one was a little bit of a landslide when it comes to you know, one franchise or the other. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to go ahead and do the housekeeping, let you guys know that we have multiple different podcasts. We would love for you to check out uh, the uh, 2236 podcast where we'll be archiving all of these survival horror showdowns. Uh, and the Loot Bros Comic Cast, where we uh, Josh Adams and I get together. We go over different comic arcs and franchises. Uh, we will be uh, picking those back up now that we're done with the uh, survival horror uh, showdowns, uh, at least for the time being. So we'll jump back on the on the Loot Bros Comic Cast stuff. So uh, we'll you'll be getting more Loot Bros traditional content here in the next few weeks. Uh, we do have a developer interview coming up. We'll be uh, sitting down with someone who's uh, doing some indie games that we have the opportunity to write a little bit of music for. Um, so if, you, uh, if you're if you interested in checking those out, we greatly appreciate it. Leave us some reviews. We're doing the review giveaways across the board on all three shows. Uh, so if you leave a 2236 Loot Bros Comic Cast or Loot Bros Podcast review, we will not only read them out on the show, but we will uh, enter you in for a little giveaway. Uh, also... Uh, starting in February, we're going to be doing the question of the week giveaway. So each week we'll be taking questions throughout the week, uh, or throughout the month, excuse me, for the uh, different podcasts. And what we find to be the question of the week, we'll enter in for a little drawing. And we're going to be giving away a lot of stuff this year, doing a lot of stuff for the community. So uh, I want to get on here, read the uh, Loot Bros leaderboards, the uh, PlayStation leaderboards, and the Xbox leaderboards, as well as cover a little bit of the Backlog Beatdown Call Your Shot event. But first things first. This week's toast goes out to me because I am back, baby. That's right. TrueTrophies.com, the playstation leaderboard that we have going to be a part of it go to the uh, truetrophies.com website set yourself up a little profile link it with your playstation and then every seven days we will read out the top trophy hunters in the world and right now in first place that's right resident daryl with 191 trophies baby <laughs> booyah the king has returned give me my crown Affectatious Donk coming in second with 101. And Enzy Nitro coming in third with 49 trophies. Mr. TMNT in fourth with 36. And then Tricky Mick with 20. What's it like to suck? Now, if you head on over to the TrueAchievements.com for the Xbox leaderboards in first place, Cool Kid Joe with 6,835 achievement points. Second place is the Alpha Seagull with 3,855. Third place is Gwen's Candle with 540. Fourth place is Mally21. That's right. Shout out to Kalai for being in fourth with 240 points. And then fifth place, it is the Resident Daryl with 160 
achievement points. That's right. I came and showed up on both leaderboards for the first time in a long time. Burn facial suck it. Are you a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books? Then Epic Tales from the Sewers is a podcast for you. We cover the comic books, video games, movies, cartoons, and anything else turtle related. We talk about the toys, we talk about the cereal, we talk about all the fun things about turtles that we love so much. So give a listen. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Check out Epic Tales from the Sewers, part of the Epic Airways Podcast Network. Give a listen, dudes. Cowabunga is this podcast for you. All right, now for the big one. The Backlog Beatdown 2021, the Call Your Shot event. Right now, we've had a bunch of people firing off, beating some games. I got myself a point on the board. Uh, in first place, it, we have Gareth Davis with two points. Second place, Matthew Malden uh, with two points. Third place, Tricky Mick with two points. Although he tried to pull a fast one and cheat already in the very beginning of the contest, trying to claim a game he beat last year. And then third place, or fourth place, excuse me, we got, uh, that would be me, Resident Daryl, with one point. So... Uh, a couple other notable mentions. We got JT and Just Let Me Bang Bro, Kalai, Gagum, uh, CJ, all kinds of people. We got we got some points on the board. And then we got a couple negatives. We got Levi down with a negative one and uh, a new contender, uh, Ponder Stibbins with a negative three. So way to go, guys. Way to start it off. Each week, we're going to give the updates on here. Some weeks, I'll go through the entire thing. Other weeks, I'll just pick out the top, maybe top three, bottom three, stuff like that. We have almost 30 people participating in the Call Your Shot event. And it looks like we got that many participating in Levi's um, uh, Be Legit side quest. So real quick, you know, for the first couple weeks of the year, I'm going to keep kind of hammering in these two events, they are separate. They are scored separately, uh, but certain games count in both. So, the Loot Bros sponsored uh, community event is the Backlog Beatdown Call Your Shot. Uh, so, the way it works is you submit a list of games in the Facebook groups, whether it be the Loot Bros Facebook group, the, the Trophy Horrors, the Game Stuff, the um, uh, the actual Backlog Beatdown um facebook group you you submit your list of games and then what we do is we log them on a spreadsheet every game you beat you get a point every game you 100 percent or platinum you get a point if you abandon a game you lose a point you just you know on if you if you say you know what i put this on my list i don't want to play it boom just take it off um so i can start a new list that's a point and then every game you buy that is, is another negative point now uh, we did make a, an exception to the rule this year versus last year where it was every game you buy, new or old, counted against you. This year, we're not counting anything in 2021. Uh, the big reason is so that people aren't as inclined to uh, stack all the rat plats, you know, all the rat trash and the easy stuff that comes out week after week um, for you know cheap points with no honor. And then the other reason is because there's brand new games that everyone wants to get, you know, the one or two big mainstays. And so rather than have those count for you or against you, we're like, you know what? New stuff is new. Old stuff is backlog. So that's the way we just, we have, that's the distinction we have. So anything uh, before 2020 is considered backlog and we'll count against you 
Um, you must take a screenshot of your role in the credits, of your trophy pops, timestamps, all that kind of stuff uh, to be eligible for your points. And it is an honor system thing, so guys, come on. If you buy something, just put it in there. Say, hey, I bought this game, negative one, whatever. Uh, you can also, we have a lot of traffic in the Discord, so definitely go to the Discord. We've got channels set up all through our Discord. Everything is attached, in, is uh, copied into the show notes. So please feel free to join in, have a good time. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, this event spawned the Be Legit side quest, which is hosted by a good friend of mine and a listener of the show, Levi Tommy Gunn. And uh, he has his own little event where basically any game that logs in, you know, seven hours or better is considered a legit game. And you get points for that. Those go through him. That would be uh, C. Levi Thomas in the Facebook group. Um, you have to post screenshots. You have to talk to him directly or it doesn't count. Um, so, for example, you can be you can make your list of five games. Submit them. Some of those games clock in at seven, eight, nine, ten hours, whatever. You say, hey, I beat this game. Boom, here's your point for our event. And then he will log you in for his as well. Uh, at the end of the year, there is a prize pool for the Be Legit side quest. And after talking to the Ellisor Trio, my kids, uh, I have decided that there will be a prize at the end of the backlog beatdown this year as well. Uh, as well as we'll do uh, some sort of Gamer of the Year awards, something that we had kicked around doing last year. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. So um, these prizes for the uh, Backlog Beatdown Call Your Shot event will be um, uh, released, announced here in the coming weeks. Uh, there will be some actual you know, trophies involved, literal trophies that you will be mailed, uh, things like that. So... Um, just want to give you guys a heads up. That's what that's the big focus this year is this community event. Uh, we're going to talk about it every week. We're going to have people who complete franchises on the show. We're going to have guests from other podcasts on the show talking to us. Hey, if you're just, you know, the first place guy and you're constantly wrecking, you know, we, we might invite you on the show just to have a good time and talk about everything. So with all that being said, I'm going to get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. It will be Resident Evil 4 versus Silent Hill 4. Uh, I really appreciate my co-host Josh Adams coming on and talking about this and in the coming weeks we'll get back to normal the normal shenanigans having the loot bros on reading your questions um, talking about farts all that good stuff it's the loot bros podcast we're going to talk about video games and mow your grass loot bros podcast we're going to talk about butts and slurp and penises, so stay tuned. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Loot Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Resident Daryl, and this week I've got my Comic Cast and 2236 co-host, Josh Adams, with me, and we are going to be talking... Um, Resident Evil 4 versus Silent Hill 4. We are continuing this series of pitting up these two survival horror franchises. Uh, we got a nice little review set up, uh, a, a review structure, rather. <laughs> yeah, it's working s- for us. <laughs> it really is. And so, uh, so we're going to go back and forth on uh, probably the most renowned games in both franchises, but for the opposite reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's going to be yep. a good talk tonight, man. It's going to be interesting Heck because yeah. so, these are uh, these are both like with. 
obviously with Resident Evil 4, you got one of the most beloved and with Silent Hill 4, probably the most hated of the, at least of the first four. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Heck yeah, man. It's definitely, um, this one is probably, if I was to call it, this one will be the, uh, probably the most desperate, you know, the, the biggest difference between the two score wise, this one won't be near as close. Um, so Josh, why don't you start us off by telling us kind of your history with these two games? All right. That'll Uh, work. Yep. All right. Uh, well, Resident Evil four, I remember being really excited about it when they first announced it. Uh, you you start hearing about it in the game magazines. I was excited that it was picking up with Leon uh, again. And so, you know, I was really excited about that. And then I remember hearing a lot of stuff, you know, leading up to it coming out, talking about how different it was going to be from the original series of games. And I, I remember not being excited about that aspect of it. Like, I remember thinking, man, I don't know if I want it to be different. I like, you know, I like zombies. And they're like, oh, well, the enemies aren't really going to be zombies in this one. And yeah, it's not really connected too much to the umbrella stuff. And, it, I, you know, so I remember that when it first came out, I, I had that mindset of, you know what? I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to sit back and wait and see kind of how it <laughs> how it's received. And my buddy Patrick bought it, and he was obsessed with this game. I remember playing bits and pieces of it with him at first, but I, like I remember the year it came out, I remember buying him like a. Do you remember they made the controller like a special controller that was shaped like the chainsaw? Oh yeah, I have one. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was my Christmas gift to him that year because he was so obsessed with this game, but. I didn't play it until a little bit later. And I'll be honest, I've only played this game all the way through maybe twice. I played the other ones a bunch of times. I do remember that, and, and we'll definitely give this one the, the props it's due for basically reinventing the next decade's worth of games. Like, there wouldn't be a Gears of War without Resident Evil 4. Correct. But... It wasn't the big like it wasn't a game that I was as as obsessed with at the time that it came out as the other three. Um, I, I have more love for it now, I think, than I did when it came out. Silent Hill Four was an insta buy for me because I loved the first three so much, and then that my reaction to that one the first time I played it was, huh, <laughs> this doesn't feel right. <laughs> this is not am I sure are we sure this is a Silent Hill game? And it is, and we'll get into all the reasons why it is. But it was easy to understand why so many people there were a lot of rumors when it came out that oh it wasn't really supposed to be a Silent Hill game. It was a different game and they just put a different name on it at the but you know, it turns out it actually was very much developed by the by Team Silent as a Silent Hill game. They were just trying to do something different with it. I like it a lot more now. Like I appreciate a lot of things about it now. But man, when it first came out, I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah. So I think both of them mark a pretty serious departure within their own franchises. But I wasn't I over the moon about either one of them when they first came out. What about you, man? Yeah. 
So for me, I was really, really um, stoked about Resident Evil 4. Like when it came out, I had my wife, we were dating. She was in college. She had an apartment right off campus. And it was like, oh my gosh, this thing's finally coming out. She had pre-ordered me the GameCube Steelbook Edition. I remember when it came out, I like set up my GameCube in her living room to her 27-inch Sony Trinitron. Uh, I sat there and played it nonstop. Like I was so over the moon about that game. Um, it is. I have such a weird like love for that game. It's not my favorite Resident Evil by any stretch. Um, it's not my. It's so weird. I don't. I I loved, love, love that game until the following games came out. It was kind of like um, this is a huge departure from what I'm used to, but man, was it fun to play! I absolutely loved it. I really hated the fact that the um, enemies and stuff were no longer zombies. Yeah, it kind of broke the franchise a little bit. Like it reinvented the wheel, which was awesome, but it also kind of it, it kind of broke the car. <laughs> right. Um. It was weird because, like, I loved the enemies, but I hated the enemies. Like, I wanted zombies. These mm-hmm. were, you know, what I'm saying, like semi intelligent creatures. You know, the Lost Plagas was way different than the zombies. So. It took me a while to settle down and say, okay, I get this. I understand it. And what it set forth with the next couple games, it was like, wow, we're we're probably never going to get just straight zombies again, you know? And it is what it is. You know, that's the direction they took. And it all makes sense now several games later in the franchise. But, you know, the goal was to make bioweapons, you know, that would replace human soldiers in war and could be controlled. And to go from the T-virus and the G-virus to Lost Plagas was a bit of a jump. But in the end, it worked. I love the game. Um, there's some things I really don't like about the game, but they those things are kind of insignificant compared to the high points of the game, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, for so, sure. As far as Silent Hill 4 goes... I bought that game when it came out. I was so excited. Uh, I remember getting it on the OG Xbox. I was like, here we go. I am super stoked about this. And I thought it sucked so much, but <laughs> that <laughs> like I did not finish the game. I was like, this is horrendous. It controls like crap. It's boring. Like I remembered specifically hating that game. And I was like, (laughs) how do you go from Silent Hill 3 to Silent Hill 4? You know, like the jump from Resident Evil 3 to Resident Evil 4 was night and day. It was huge. And it was in such a positive direction. The jump from Silent Hill 3 to Silent Hill 4 was the opposite jump. (laughs) And... It was. It's one of those games, though, that like Silent Hill Four intrigues me the most out of all of them. Like, I've watched more stuff on YouTube about Silent Hill Four than I've watched about any Resident Evil game or Silent Hill game. 
Like it's one of those games that like has so much charm and mystique and I want to love that game. <laughs> but like I can't and like it it's like your kids. On... Well, no. no. <laughs> nah, they're much more likable than uh Silent Hill 4. Like I want to love them, but ah. <laughs> they're little turds. No, no, it's it's the wildest thing because Silent Hill Four came out. It was re released on GOG, yeah, um, just a few months ago, and I downloaded it. I bought it. I was like, oh yes, I am revisiting this and with a new mindset. You know, like I've played much crappier games since Silent Hill Four came out to now, and I'm like, dude. I'm going to play Silent Hill 4 and I'm going to beat it on PC and it's going to be great. And I was in the middle of, so this past year, 2020, I played Silent Hill 2. I played about 75% of it. Um, I played Silent Hill Origins. I played probably 50 or 60% of that one. And then I played probably two or three hours of Silent Hill 4 The Room. So none of them I finished this past year, but revisiting them and refreshing on them was good. And I do feel better about Silent Hill 4, but like it takes some of the things that I hate about Silent Hill <laughs> and it did really doubles down on them. Like the dialogue and the cutscenes are so bad. Like the line where you meet uh, Cynthia, I think is her name. Uh-huh. And she's like, you know, maybe you can help me out of here. I'll do you a special favor later. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. She's like, it's only a dream. May as well have a little fun. And I'm like, did I, I mean, just I get end it. up in Grand Theft Auto for a second? This is hoe and heat. This is ratchet hoes. Yeah, and it's I don't know, man. Like there's some like the the there's some stuff in the game that just makes me roll my eyes. But overall, it's not as bad now as it was then, you know? So I've got a couple hours into it. I will finish it eventually. Um in preparation for <laughs> Is okay. It's on my list of things to finish before I die. Um, but I and it, but I don't know. It's just it's it's crazy because that's one of the few Silent Hill games that I played uh, a good chunk of, but just couldn't bring myself to finishing. So that's been that's really my experience with Silent Hill Four. It's probably the one I'm the least familiar with out of the out of all of them. Um, but you know that one has a rep. You know that one's got a bit of a reputation. It does. um, Well earned. Yeah. (laughs) So, but anyways, so, uh, yeah, so I guess we can get jump right into the meat and potatoes, um, with characters, you know, where do you stand with the characters in Resident Evil 4 and the characters of Silent Hill 4? All right. Well, I know Resident Evil 4, obviously we get Leon back, but we get Leon in a very different, uh, I don't know, sort of a different kind of scenario here. He's almost James Bond in this one. He's very secret agent working for a, you know, for an agency kind of thing. Uh, he's not a rookie cop anymore. Uh, so, you know, they presented him as a different sort of character in a way. Now, his personality, I think, is still consistent with who he was in Resident Evil 2. But he's grown some. Uh, he's... He's uh he's an interesting character. We do get to see a little bit more, if I'm not mistaken, of Ada Wong in this one, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, Ada comes back and there's some there's some cool stuff that happens between the two of them. 
So she gets fleshed out a little bit more. You know, Leon was always my favorite character out of the franchise. I mean, I, I love Leon. I like the, I've liked all of the, um, I don't know if you watched any of the CGI movies they've done. Oh yeah. They're really good. Those are really good. I, I like those better than the live action movies. And, for a lot of reasons, but specifically because they, they kind of focus on, on Leon. Um, now they do give you the, some other side characters, Lewis and, you know, like, is it, it's Ashley is the, Mm -hmm. the president's daughter, which is there to, you know, you got to go rescue her. And to some degree, she's a very annoying character to me. Leon, help. Uh, she is the ultimate aggravating. I have to babysit this character. Kind of, it, she's not. She's not useful. <laughs> like she's not. No, uh, not at all. She's the worst. But I can't fully hate her just because. <laughs> did you ever notice if you if you did the ladder deal and looked up and she thought you were looking up her skirt, she'd complain and call you a pervert. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. They, it's this is hilarious. If if you jump off a ladder and then aim up while she's climbing, she'll call you a pervert. Huh. What's hilarious is that if it, if you fall in the middle of combat and you land to where it you you could like look up her skirt, that that program will run. So like while you're dying or while you're on the ground getting attacked. And the enemies are wailing on you. She'll be calling you a pervert. <laughs> that's so, really funny. So I don't, I, I can't hate her too much because that's really funny. But I, overall, I probably give the characters in this one a seven. I don't love anybody but Leon, and so to me that that takes me out of it a little bit compared to the first three, where there were a lot of characters that I really love. Those characters, they're. I love Leon, and I like the dude that you buy stuff from. <laughs> the merchant? Yeah, I like the merchant. He's he's weird, but he he's probably shouldn't exist. But I do like the merchant. <laughs> but, I wish uh, they'd bring him back. <laughs> I, I love him. He, he's pretty awesome. But outside of outside of those two characters, there's not a lot for me that I'm like, oh, these characters are so great and well fleshed out. Oh, what about you? I put it at a seven. Where do you put it? Oh man, I put it as a nine. I thought that uh, Leon, you know, has developed tremendously from the rookie cop of Resident Evil Two, and now he is, you know, he's kind of moved on up, working for the president, uh, going on a mission to save his daughter. Leon, kind of being that ultimate good guy, saving the girl, you know, like playing to those tropes pretty well. Uh, I thought Louis or Luis, whatever his name was. Was a different, uh, different. different. He's different. <laughs> He's different. He's different. Nah, he was a decent uh, side character. I kind of wish you got a little bit more interaction, a little bit more time with him. Like you learned his motivations a little bit more. Um, Ada being in there was great because they have dangled Ada in front of Leon so much since the beginning of you know, of Resident Evil Two. And I think that it's only fitting that he constantly runs into her. Once you beat the game, you can do uh, the assignment Ada, mm-hmm. um, where you can kind of play through her perspective and see that she's working alongside of Wesker. 
and she's the ultimate double, triple, and quadruple agent. Which uh, almost Ash, that kind of was like having an A B scenario in a way. Yep. So not, yeah, that, not not the same, but it definitely gave it you. It was it was kind of the it was it gave you more content, like it gave you a different perspective, which was cool. Yep. And um, you know, and then Ashley being you know the. Uh, <laughs> Helpless damsel in distress. The quintessential the turd. Yeah. <laughs> doing the puzzle sections with her, you know, were pretty decent. Where you had to kind of sneak through the, the castle and you could throw like these little oil lamps at enemies and stuff. Um, you know, at the end where she like offers her services to Leon, I thought I was like, okay. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm over here at Silent Hill 4. Got a chick offering me her services if I get her to the end. And then it, and I saw Hill 4. And then Resident Evil 4, I get the chick to the end. She's like, maybe we can uh, do a little extracurricular. I'm like, whoa, now. <laughs> so, But overall, I thought it was a nine. I mean, I don't think Leon... I, well, okay. I think Leon was great. And I think Leon, as a progression of Leon's character in the universe, moved things forward and it was good. Uh, I think that some of the enemies, like characters... Oh yeah, better than others. Oh yeah, and I think that um that short little guy Salazar, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. like he was like so Japanese and so flamboyant and weird and <laughs> like it. That part's kind of cringy for me, so I can't you know cement it as a ten. Krauser's um, cool. Krauser's great. Um. And again, like I said, you know, learn a little bit more about Wesker. Ada's great. The, I think the merchant is really cool. I, I know that's very out of place in the Resident Evil universe, and he technically doesn't return. But I love this idea of this hub where you can go and upgrade and buy and exchange weapons. And his lines are so iconic. Yeah. Welcome. You know, got some rare things on sale, stranger. Yeah. And he, so he was a cool character. It's so funny because my wife, who doesn't play games at all, will be like, what are you buying? (laughs) (laughs) And just so many years of me playing that game around her, and especially when we were dating, you know, it was like, that was a big deal. So I think that as far as moving the story forward in the movie, moving the uh, universe forward, I think that, um, you know, it does a good job with the characters. It it fleshes them out. You know, I I think it works. Uh, Now, Silent Hill 4... I think has some of the worst characters in the franchise. Yeah, they're terrible. Especially the character <laughs> that you play as. Henry yes. is the most boring is so loser. <laughs> he's he's such a deadbeat loser. <laughs> like like I it's so weird. Like the the weird peeping through the hole and watching your neighbor um <laughs> yeah, what like, was her name? Uh, she was Eileen. Him. Yeah. Like Eileen, yeah, it was Eileen. Um and then you had Cynthia, which was the, Uh-oh. it's so funny because that scene I was talking about earlier where she was like offering her services and then like randomly she's like, oh, I got to throw up. And then she like <laughs> escorts stage left to go vomit. And then a little bit later, or I say a little bit later, later on in the game where she dies or she gets all tore up or whatever. And she's like, I never got to do that special favor. <laughs> yeah, that's like, just going to be on your mind. While you're dying, is I didn't, yeah. I didn't get to make out with this boring loser. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, and then you had that weird, that weird neighbor with the gun. Uh huh. 
the little boy in there. He's like pulls a gun on the little boy. He's like, what do you know? You got something to do with this, don't you? And I'm just like, this is awful. Yeah, the characters are really bad. There's only two characters in the game that I actually like. I do kind of like his uh, his next door neighbor that he's peeping on all the time. Eileen. Eileen? She's actually seems like a, a caring person. She's concerned about right. him and like why nobody's seen him in a while. And, and the weird noise actually, is coming from the door. Yeah, she actually seems like a like a decent person, and she's the only character that's a decent person in this entire game. And you just kind of are rooting for her to be okay. And yeah. I I do like Walter Sullivan, who is the serial killer character at the at the center of the storyline. I like his character. I always was fascinated by him, and his name shows up on a on a gravestone. I think in the first game or the second game, so like he has a little bit of a history further back in the in the game that brings him into. And we'll get into that when we talk about enemies and gameplay and stuff like that. But I do think Walter Sullivan is an interesting character. And his motivations and all are really interesting to me, but like I could care less about anybody else in this game though. Like they're not memorable, they're not likable. Henry just like he's not even he's not even concerned about being locked in his in his apartment. He's kind of right. he's kind of okay with it. Like there's a really strange door. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, dude, that door is like improbable illogical it makes no sense and like he he's not concerned no he's cool with no. just not leaving his house for months and it's not like they so, got uber eats back then so like right. dude, what's he doing oh. for food like yeah <laughs> he has he's, no a, uh, he's a stupid character every now and again he gets a note under the door like what is that <laughs> it's he's a stupid character yep so I yeah, I'd have to give it like a. I'd have to give it a three. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it was. They're pretty terrible, and I I don't even know if a, I, my four might be too high, but that's that's what came to my mind when I was like, this is just is bad. But you know what? It's not the worst part of the game. The characters are actually not the worst <laughs> part of the game. So, enemies. Where do you stand on the enemies between the two franchises? All right. Well, I will say this. Resident Evil 4 had some enemies that scared the crap out of me. The first time I dealt with old boy that had the chainsaw with the yeah. with the bag over his head, like Jason in Friday 13th Part 2. And yeah, man, like I got killed so many times in the opening of that game. And like they, that was so good. The I know that they're not zombies, and I'll never forgive them for the fact that they got rid of zombies. But the villagers are creepy, man. And especially later on, like for one thing, they're smarter and they use weapons and they like come at you in mass. Like they try to, uh, they they swarm and they try to cut you off. Like they flank you and things, which was something zombies were never smart enough to do. Like, you get in those houses, and then they're coming in through the windows and through the door and up the stairs and all that stuff. Like They dodge. Yeah, they can dodge. Like, you take careful aim, and then they dodge. 
they they were hard to deal with, especially later on when popping their head meant that something from the thing was going to come out of them. And, (laughs) you know, one of the things I really liked about the villagers, the Las Vegas thing is it felt like Lovecraft to me. Like the first three games are much more in that George Romero, Night of the Living Dead, 80s horror movie vibe. The villagers and just the setting, the gothic setting in this feels a lot more like something you'd read in an H.P. Lovecraft story. It yeah. was scary in a different way. It was unsettling. I always thought Vitor's or however you say his name, Mendez, the big dude with the beard and the trench coat. Yeah, with the glass eye. Yeah, with the glass eye. I think it's Men- Mendez. And he was, man, he was creepy. And like his mutated form was really wicked looking. Like, with all the arms, he almost looked like General Grievous, but with a beard. <laughs> Mosh pick General Grievous. There you like, go. Like, it, it, it had some gnarly stuff in it. And, and anything that they had as far as the, not, not just the regular villagers, but the zealots that had the, you had some of them that had those weird, like, goat-looking masks and things and robes. Yep. Uh there, there were some crazy, crazy villains in this. And then you had the big, the, the giant. The, El uh, Gigante? Yeah, the big cave troll looking thing. You had the lake monster. Uh, there were some really cool villains in this game. Um, the Iron Maidens that had all the spikes all over them. Oh, those yeah. Were, those oh, things yeah. were metal, dude. Uh, it's It's got really good villains, which, I mean, Resident Evil has always... As we've worked through each of these games, they've always had really good enemy variety. And, you know, this one reinvented the wheel with that. There's nothing in this game that feels like it's a carries over from the original three games. Like, there's nothing that you look at that looks like something from the first game or the second. Nothing, they don't look right. like hunters, they don't look like zombies. They don't look like any of the mutations that we've seen before. They're distinctly, they're all more insect-like in this one. Yep. And it's just, it's unique. It's interesting. They're all, you have to deal with them in different ways and figure out how to how to address this villain. I, I have to give it a 10, and I think we've given almost all of the games a 10 in that franchise for enemies. I, I give them a 10. The enemies are great. Yep. I agree. I gave it a 10 as well for uh, very similar to you. It's like the amount of enemy types were so different. It was, that was one of the best things about it that like, even though I was very like offended that they weren't the staggering walking dead zombies. Like I was like, man, there are so many enemy types between the differences in the villagers, the chainsaw villager, like you said, the Iron Maidens, the El Gigante, uh, the the Lake Monster. I mean, even the uh, the two guys that uh, work for Salazar, you know, the red uh, cloak and the black coat enemies. They're those very insect type bosses that you fight. Um, they're super fast, you know. Like it was just. The environment's changed. The enemies changed. It was so much variety, and it is a very long game. Like it is one of the longer Resident Evil titles. So I thought that even though I was, you know, upset about the choice in enemy types and the fact they weren't the regular stagger zombies, 
Like, I could not be any more impressed with the amount of zombies and just what all they did with them. It was, it was very, very cool. So oh, yeah. definitely, I attend 100%. Um, now, Silent Hill 4, on the other hand, I was not as thrilled about the enemy types. The ones that you encountered, at least for the half to three quarters of the game that I am familiar with, I thought were a little less inspired. The um, the dogs in there, I feel like you fight a lot more dogs than normal in a Silent Hill game. And they are extremely annoying. Uh, I actually don't, you know, playing the game when it first came out and then playing it for a couple hours now and then kind of refreshing on it, I can't think of a single enemy in that game that just really stands out like the other games did. The other games had something distinct about them that just was like, oh man, that is totally Silent Hill. Um, All these enemy types, I thought they were kind of bland. You know, I thought they were a little forgettable. I like the twin victim enemy as the two-headed thing with the big arms. I know you're talking about. That doesn't have legs. Uh, That was a pretty interesting, creepy villain. Um, You fight this really big, stretched-out Freddy Krueger-looking thing called the Conjurer that was pretty freaky-looking. There's a lot of ghosts in this one. Yeah. And... One of the things that I do like about the ghost is that you can't kill them. You can't fight them, really. Like, they they chase you around, kind of hunched over, float, just hovering. And they have a, like, when they're near you, it starts, like, the screen starts getting fuzzier and darker. And yeah. it just, it, it's, you can tell that there's a, a strong reaction to being near them That's that's really freaky. What I like about the ghost, I don't really like them in the sense of I don't, I don't love the way that they're portrayed and the way that you interact with them that much, but I do like the idea going into them and how they tie into the story is that, you know, your main villain of the story is the Walter Sullivan character. He's a serial killer who was raised by the order and, you know, this, the cult that from silent Hill. Right. And, you know, Throughout all the first three games, or with the first and the third game at least, the Order has been trying to birth this god, which we know it to be basically the devil, but they've been trying to birth that thing into existence for a long time. They tried to do that with Heather in the third game, and it, it didn't work out for them. So this ritual that Walter has been trying to do, it requires him to kill a certain number of victims. And each of the people he's killed has a, na- a number carved into them. And all of his victims are represented in the game as these different ghosts. And so thematically, and in the way that it ties into the story, they're not just throwaway enemies. They tie in really well to the, the theme and the story that they're trying to tell. The problem is the game never explains all that. Right. You know, the, the game... It had a great idea. It didn't execute that idea well. And the scenes in the game where they actually show uh, the people with the numbers carved into their back and and that stuff, like, that was really cool. 
And it really did like, it's almost like it had like here, this is, this is a huge quality that could redeem the game. But I'll be honest, the first time I played this game, I didn't pick up on any of that. And revisiting the game for a few hours, I mean, the first few hours, you don't really get anywhere, you know, like. They don't don't explain it. Yeah, they don't explain it. And there's a lot of random weird crap. Like you go into this one room that's just this enormous head that's his neighbor's head, Eileen's head, and she looks at you, but she doesn't fight you. She just looks at you and she's all jacked up and it's just this huge giant head and her eyes follow you around the room and stuff, but it it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, doesn't provide any information. It's just weird stuff for the sake of having weird stuff. And And I know that in their mind, they were doing something cool, but I don't think they knew how to, they couldn't figure out quite how to, to make it work. Well, the um, thing that gets me about it is you constantly, you know, like you choose when to go in and out of the, of the, you know, the, the nether, the, e- the, the other world or whatever you want right. to call it. But yet when you come back through, you wake up in your bed, kind of implying that you were dreaming the whole time. Right. Yeah. And they, it's like, they couldn't, I think they had a really good idea. And if you look at documentaries and stuff about the making of Team Silent, really were behind this game. Like they put a lot into it. They were proud of it. They thought they had a good idea. And I think they did. But there's a lot of it that just falls flat. Um, I will say this there's one ghost, the Cynthia character, um, that the that's trying to throw herself at him all the time. When she she becomes a victim, she shows up later as a ghost in the subway station and she's kind of like the ring with like the dark hair hanging down in her yeah. face and she slithers around on the floor. Those encounters with her, those were really scary. She was a really creepy villain in that sense of just like it was skin crawling to watch her slither around the floor like a snake with the long black hair in her face. She yeah. was creepy. And then there's these worms that you see throughout the game, and you just see bits and pieces of the worm. Right. And you can't, it doesn't attack you. You can hit it and you can attack it, but you can't kill it. But I, I think the idea they might have been going for was that the worm connected all these different dimensions or something. I, I'm not sure. There again, I'm sure that they had an idea, but they didn't explicitly throw it out there. Right. So I'd probably give the enemies on this one a maybe a four. Like there there's most of it's forgettable. There's only a couple of things. I like the way the ghosts are actual victims of the Right. You know, of the serial killer. And I like the idea of the main antagonist being this, you know, prolific serial killer who w- was raised by the order. I just wish they had explained that a little bit more in the game. I don't need a huge info dump, but I'd like to at least understand the story I'm playing instead of just kind of bumble through it as this dumb butthole that (laughs) lives in in this apartment. It it reminds me of like a, like a bad Keanu Reeves character. Like yeah, Keanu Reeves, when he was playing his Neo, he was just like, yo, like, whoa. 
just kind of like oblivious, like follow the white rabbit. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. It, he reminds me of like a really dumb version of Neo, but like without any real redeeming qualities. No kung fu. The one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're not the one. And no, you kind of suck. No John Wick. <laughs> no potential. Right, right. Just right. a loser. As for me, I gave it a five. Like, I thought that the overall enemy types, you know, that the game offered were just very lackluster. Um, but, you know, it is Silent Hill. And, you know, with everything having an underlining meaning... It, you know, looking into it, it's like, okay, I get some of this. The problem is, in just the way you just described these these ghosts, you gave me more information about the ghosts and their backstory than I got playing the game for however many combined hours I've got into it. Exactly, and that's one of the big problems that we'll keep revisiting. Yeah. Is that there's just so much storytelling that's left on the floor. And so, and I watched some of those uh, Silent Hill Four documentaries, and and you know, and these uh, retrospectives where people go into the interviews and things that were said and done, and it's like, man, this is better than the actual telling in the game. Yeah, it it could have been and should have been a good game. Yes, and I'm not sure why it didn't turn out better than it did. Uh, you know, it's just kind of. It's just kind of crazy. The stars did not align for Silent Hill nope. 4. <laughs> but you know what? I'm still intrigued. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting... It's an interesting failure. And it's yes. not without... <laughs> it's not without merit. Like, there's... There are aspects as we get into it that, you know, make it better than a lot of other games. Like, it's not the worst game that's ever been made. It's just when you set it aside... Some of this other stuff, you're kind of like, ugh, what in the world? Yeah. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, then uh, I'll let you take the reins on soundtrack. What do you think about the soundtracks? All right. Well, since we were just in the uh, Silent Hill Four, we'll we'll pick up there. Silent Hill Four. It it's still got the same composer involved with it, I believe. But Silent Hill Four does not sound anything like the first three games. No, not at all. It's a lot more almost pop songs in a way. There's a lot of a lot more like an ordinary drum beat and guitar. Like it's got more rhythm. It's it's more it's got a lot more songs with lyrics. There it there are I mean there are moments where there it's creepy sounding, obviously, but it's definitely not the brilliant work that the first ones the first three is definitely not. It doesn't even approach in any way the third, uh, the third song. Right. Like Silent Hill Three, that soundtrack is an absolute masterpiece. This one is not. No, um, not at all. It's not terrible. Like it's not noticeably bad, but it's definitely not great. I, I'm, I'd give it a middle of the road five. I think. Same here. I, I felt the same way. There was not one single piece of music that stood out to me when I think about the game. Like, I'm like, oh, actually, I feel like the game has a lot of emptiness and silence. It does. It, there's a lot of places, and it it isn't filled with good sound design to make up for it. Right. So I feel like that for this game, it was like the room, you know, there wasn't even like a like a theme song for the actual room itself. 
Yeah, which is it insane. Just, you're in there. Yeah, it's insane that they wouldn't have a recognizable theme music like you think about your safe rooms in the in the yeah, Resident Evil mean. series. Yeah, there's. I, I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't do that. It just it seems like that would have been a no brainer. To me, it's almost irredeemable because you could have had a theme song, you know, some sort of noise, ambient music that like ran every time you're in the room and you're in there a decent amount. And like that would have been the the through line that like stuck with you to the end, you know, like here we are several, you know, what, 20 years removed since the release of the game almost. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, there's just not one piece of music that, that, you know, and actually I, you know, in preparation, I was working out, you know, this evening mm-hmm. and I, I go to YouTube and I'm like, oh, I'm going to pull the, the soundtrack. And I stopped myself and I said, wait a second. I don't remember any of the music on here. Yeah. And it's, I was like, none I'm of it not, stands out. <laughs> no. I was like, I'm not, I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm just like, you know what? I don't know what's on there, and there's a reason why. So, yep, yep. Now, Resident Evil Four, on the other hand, has a great soundtrack. It's good. It's very good. It's not my favorite, but it's still really good. It's got a little bit more of that industrial feel to it than there than the previous uh, games had in the series. But um, I think it does a good job of, especially when things get start getting wild. It does a good job of you know the music carrying that tension. I think yeah. it does a good job, and we'll get into that more, I guess, with atmosphere. But it does the the soundtrack definitely. It feels like a horror soundtrack. Like it certainly can get your blood pumping, uh, even when you're just wandering through uh, a a forest that looks abandoned, but you know it isn't. <laughs> yeah. It's it's got it's definitely got some good moments. I I don't. It's nowhere near as good as the others in the series, but. Even a even a bad Resident Evil soundtrack is usually better than most other games, and this Absolutely. isn't a bad one. I'd I'd probably say it's a seven. Okay, that's good. I gave it an eight, and I there's a piece of music in particular that stands out every time I think about it, and I am it's some sort of stringed instrument, but when you are you know in your inventory and when you're dealing with the merchant stuff there's like this little it's this the safe room theme for this game mm-hmm. but it is it's got a spanish feel to it with a very classical um appeal as well it's just very it's it's very familiar it's very um nostalgic for me and i'm like when i think about resident evil I, I often think, or you know, Resident Evil Four. I often think about that particular piece of music, right? Um, and I think it's good. Now I will say this, and I know that this isn't technically part of the soundtrack, but it is part of the music and sound effects. Um, but when you're in the castle mm-hmm. and you start hearing the zombie or the the Lost Pelagos moan, and they're yet chanting as well. Oh man, yeah, the chanting is creepy. Oh, dude, it is so creepy. And it's one of those things to where the game is very action heavy, but still tr- it still does a good job of reminding you that it's a horror game. Yeah. And the chanting inside of those 
ca- those castle scenes just resonate so hard. It's like, oh, so good. Yeah, it's very, it's very effective. So, but, all right, I guess that really does kind of blend us right into atmosphere because from the village in the beginning to the laboratory to the castles um, to the ruins where you fight Krauser all the way to the very end where you, um, it is, the game's atmosphere is so good. Like you feel with Resident Evil 4, like you are not in America. You know, like you are in this uh, almost remote island. You know, it's like I feel completely set apart from anything that is familiar. Therefore, I am expecting the worst at every turn. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do a great job with sound design to help with that. The enemy types help with that. But you go through so many different environments and they all look so good yeah it's you know, there's it's the some, atmosphere is so gothic and lovecraftian yeah it's the type of thing that you feel like you know if you stumbled across this town in real life and <laughs> met, it, it's it genuinely is scary and it doesn't it doesn't ever let up like it we talked about a lot of the other games in the series you you, you feel safe because at some point I don't think this game ever lets you really feel that safe. It's, you know, to have been the more action heavy. And, you know, when we get into gameplay, we'll talk about that even more. But to have shifted into an action heavy direction, man, this game does create some really good suspenseful atmosphere. And as far as that, like you said, creating that feeling of being in the the hairy butt crack of Europe somewhere. And, you know, you got all these cult fanatic people that if you pop their head, it turns into a giant cockroach. Like, it's it's creepy. Like, it, it nailed everything about the architecture. You know, it nailed the the atmosphere of, like, the woods and the village, the old dilapidated yes. houses. And, like, everything it made, and it felt very authentic to what it was trying to do. And it was also... You know, a step forward, you know, I know we'll discuss graphics, but they're kind of leaving behind the the pre-rendered backgrounds and giving us, you know, a 3D environment, a full 3D environment, which was, you know, the series had not done up to this point, I don't think. It it rocked the atmosphere. Absolutely. I mean, I I give it a 10. Yeah, I I do too. I don't think there's any, there's nothing that you can knock about it. No, I think it was very iconic. I think that Resident Evil 4, amongst a lot of its strengths, really nailed just that, you know, like we just we went so big with the with the previous games. You know, you started mm-hmm. off inside of a mansion, you work yourself into a town, but you kind of focus towards the police precinct uh, and a laboratory. Uh then you go to Resident Evil 3 and you are now you're exploring the town more. You know, like the whole town gets wiped out. Resident Evil Code Veronica. You shoot on over to an Antarctic base, and you're doing all this stuff. But then Resident Evil Four is like, we're gonna go really big, give you a dozen environments, mm-hmm. but yet it's gonna feel so small and remote because you are not somewhere familiar. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was awesome, man. It was, yeah. just, I thought it was awesome. Uh, as for Silent Hill 4, I think atmosphere 
is probably one of its strengths. It is in this game. It I is. I think that um, the room feels very suffocating and feels very empty and lonely, and it does a good job of making you feel like you cannot escape this, and the only area you can go to to escape it is technically awful. <laughs> you know, like uh, even when. Every every aspect of the room feels very um, desolate and just you know, I guess I guess claustrophobic almost. Like I even the environments you travel through to get to other places often feel very crowded and stuffed. Like even the hallways, mm-hmm. it felt like navigating through the subway and some of these places. It was just like very like stuff's in the way, geometry's in the way. I have to go around this. I, I can't just mm-hmm. I just can't just open up and explore and anytime there were enemies it almost seemed like the game was broken how easy they could lock onto you mm-hmm. and then attack you because there was just nowhere for you to go so um atmosphere i think is its strength i think that uh i gave it a seven i mean i don't think it was uh reinventing the wheel when it comes to silent hill it didn't keep things uh, it's no Silent Hill three when it comes to setting the tone. Well, uh, but I feel, I'm gonna like take it a little bit further than that because you've never finished the game, right? Correct. All right. All everything you said, I agree with. You know, there is you know, the the room itself is very you know claustrophobic and dull and and lonely and and drab and. You know, there there's certain places in the game that were definitely very creepy, uh, especially when you got all the ghosts floating after you, or you got that, you know, Claudia's ghost or Cynthia's ghost crawling around the ground like the ring and floating after you. That that jump is very scary. You do get overwhelmed really quickly, and you're just trying to get out of there. And what they do as the game progresses, and that stuff gets more and more intense, and you're desperate to get back to the room. What starts to happen towards the end of the game is the supernatural, creepy, scary, dangerous things that are happening in the other world start invading your safe space. They start invading the room. And it's really effective because you they, they get you to this point where you believe that as long as I can get back to the room, I'm safe. If I can get right. back to the room, nothing can touch me. And then all of a sudden, that stuff starts invading your your safety. It's really effective. I remember that's one thing about this game that I remember being really freaked out about was when I, when I got back to my room and realized, holy crap, there's stuff here. Like, it's in my house. It's in my room. It's not supposed to be here. It was really effective. So I, I think I'm going to give it an eight. For atmosphere, just because of how they they use the room itself, uh, this is the first one out of this franchise that I haven't given a ten for atmosphere because it doesn't deserve one. Right. But you know, I will say that 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 twist towards the end of the room no longer being safe, especially depending on there's some things you can do to clear the room and clean the room out, and you know, with like burning certain candles and things like that, and if you don't do it. It gets worse and worse and worse, and it, it was a, that was effective for me. But um, you know, it's nowhere near what the others in the series have done. Right, doesn't even right. come close. Graphics, I think that um, 
that one for Resident Evil is, is pretty pretty easy. Oh yeah, graphically for its time, it was a absolute masterpiece. This game, when it released, scored tens across the board everywhere, just for all of its accomplishments. But being the first full 3D game in the core franchise, and what the power and the detail it delivered from that GameCube was just absolutely awesome. I mean, to this day, this game still looks good. Playing it on the Nintendo Switch is absolutely amazing. Uh, I just actually recently beat, I actually went back through and beat Resident Evil 4 uh, this past year. I'm actually about to play it again on the Switch um, in the coming weeks. It's, it's one of my games I have you know set aside to beat this year. Um, it just looks amazing. I think that the all the environments look good. It does have a, a little overusage of brown and gray, but I know that's intentional to give it a depressing look, you know, to kind of lean into where you're at. But when you get into the castle, you get a bunch of pop of color, pops of color, and you get into the sewer and you get into the um the different facilities. I mean, it does go get away from the browns and the grays and throws a bunch of colors in there. But I think as far as like overall, just I was blown away when this game came out. I put that in my GameCube. I'm like, I can't believe games look this good. Uh, so definitely a 10 for graphics for Resident Evil 4. I would agree. It, it looks good. And then you look Silent Hill 4 is one of the most butt ugly games. <laughs> yes. It just, <laughs> it's so dull. It's so ugly. It's so Silent Hill Three looks better than Silent Hill Four, and that's that's unforgivable. Yep. Honestly, Silent Hill Four could have come out on the PS One, and it would have looked okay. But for a I, for a PS Two game to look as ugly as it does, I, it's 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 not it's you can tell that there's so many areas that they just copy and pasted and phoned it in. And I don't know if it's because they were trying to make the game bigger or longer or whatever, and they just didn't focus on graphics, but it's, it's the ugliest game since the original game. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy too. Cause the port, like, I don't know if it's a bad port or if it's just that the game was always like this, but there's areas where like, there's lighting issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the game being extremely dark in the uh, the, the original release, mm-hmm. to the point of where I was like, I can't see what I'm, you know, what I'm looking at. Yeah. In the the port, things are brightened up again, but it's like things kind of like vibrate a lot, like the the yeah. environment vibrates a little bit, and even some of the motion of the characters vibrates. Mm-hmm. It's real and, glitchy looking, and yeah. there's a lot of places where you can tell that they just either chose not to or forgot to go in and overlay texture yeah like there's there's places there's whole whole sections of the walls and things that they're just empty there's no texture to them there's no it's they just really drop the ball in so many areas of that game and it's you know it's a shame because i think that I think there could have been a really good game like somewhere in another universe there must there's probably a good version (laughs) of this game but yeah, graphically, it's like a four. Like it's just not a good looking game. It's, and if it was on an older system, you know, like if it was a PS one game, I would 
maybe give it a, a pass, but it, they the system was capable of better. Oh yeah, and I mean and they the were game prior to this was yeah better. yeah the the game that came out before this one it was better and it was developed by the most of the same team so like it it's not really it's it's not really excusable it's just an ugly game. I gave it a six as far as graphics goes, and I did that because the character models actually look pretty good. Um, I think that the enemy types are very bland, which I said that before, mm-hmm. but the actual characters playing Silent Hill 2 most recently before mm-hmm. I played through this one, and just seeing like how bad some of the characters can look, you know? Yeah. Like, um, it was like, okay... They were on to something here, and I, I like the way uh, Cynthia looked really good. Even Henry looks pretty good. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, Eileen looks pretty good. Yeah, the the little boy, his face looks good, but like something about him is like the proportions kind of off, are off almost like a toy, like there's something toy like about him. Um, but for the most part, I thought the character models were pretty good. The game is just very boring and uninspired in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I gave it a six, um, but that's you know, that's still not great compared to what we've had in the past. Oh yeah, so, especially after Silent Hill three, which I think looks amazing. And yeah, it still looks terrifying. so good. Yeah, it looks so good, and this one does not does not even try. So all right, well then gameplay. How do you feel about the gameplay for Res- uh, for Silent Hill four? I give it a five. It's 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 passable. All right. I it's, thought it's that not playing this game was a chore. I think that the combat is actually a little bit better than some of the previous titles. Um, but I think that the actual like going this was also frustrating. It was. And and I didn't remember when I played the original played it originally. Loading times were a thing, right? That was just uh-huh. like the norm. So going back and listening to these YouTubers talk and 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 some of the stuff, I don't want it to be like their words coming out of my mouth, right? But the you know just listen to them go on and complain about all the loading screens. In my mind, it was like oh, that was just like a thing of that era. But playing through this game on the PC release, there even then there's still like you know, loading screens and jumping from place to place. So like you're playing the game, you're like, Oh, I need to go drop off some of my stuff in the room. You you have to go to the portal. You load into your room. Then you have to go through the doors to go to the main area to drop off your stuff. Then you have to go back and it just seemed very uh, tedious. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a tedious game and it, it never really gets better in that regard. It's, and if you were having to wait for a really awesomely rendered room that was going to look really cool and like real life, then it wouldn't hurt so much. But when you right. have a wait screen that lasts forever just for a crappy looking room that looks exactly right. like the, the other, the last crappy looking room you left, it's, and the it's, controls are so janky in first person yeah. in the room. Yeah, it's so awkward. It's just not. It's not fun to play. It's not fun to play. It's not the worst game I've ever played, but it's definitely the least fun to play out of any of these in the series. Right. Right. And so, now, so I gave 
I gave it a four as far as gameplay goes, just because the game was so bad to play. Yeah, that it's the one that I haven't finished. Yeah, it's and that's fair. Now, Resident Evil Four, on the other hand, you know, we talk about reinventing the wheel. Man, that game completely revolutionized yes. action games for again like like I said like a, for a decade afterwards we're yep. still playing like without without this game you did, you don't you don't have Gears of War you don't have Uncharted or Last of Us you know the the whole over the shoulder third person view the the aiming mechanics the quick time events that were actually really good and I don't know if you remember, but like right after this game came out, you had all these other games that tried really hard to copy that and could never oh, get yeah. it right. Like it would always be stupid or tedious or boring. And for a while there, there were all these games that were the whole game almost felt like nothing but quick time quick events. Time. Yep. And they weren't good. <laughs> they couldn't do it as well as this game did it. But man, it broke the mold on on gameplay. Now Absolutely. I didn't. I played it on a PlayStation Two. I didn't play it on the GameCube, so I don't know how different it felt between those two uh, consoles. I do know that last year I downloaded it for the PlayStation Four, and it is almost unplayable on the PS Four. The controls I, are terrible on the PS Four. So you can change between your controller layouts. And I remember the default one not being good because I just recently played back through it. I think, but I played it on Xbox. Either way, same control scheme. I own it on every system and I beat it on PS2. I beat it on GameCube. I beat it on uh, the Wii, which I think. <laughs> you beat the, the Wii? I beat the Wii. The, the Wii version is the definitely the preferred way to play Resident Evil 4. Huh. Because you broke your controller and the nunchuck, you know, in half. So the nunchuck allowed you to, you know, control your character in, in your in your movement. And then the um the other Wii remote had the, you know, you could point and aim and shoot you know, huh. motion controls. And that is by far the way to play that game. Not to mention every version of it had like its own powered up like special weapon in the game. So, like, in the original version, you could get, like, the Chicago Typewriter, which is the Tommy gun, uh-huh. like the infinite rocket launcher. If you beat the game under a certain amount of time, no saves, all that stuff, you could buy that from the merchant. And then in the Wii version, and I think maybe this was also in the PS2 version, but I don't remember, there's a freeze gun. Like, you could get, like, a gun that actually freezes all of the enemies. And so, um, there were just a little extra content and stuff like that. It was really cool. Uh, but I just remember playing the game to death. So then whenever the Xbox 360 PS3 versions came out, I played it for a little bit, played through the village and stopped. And then same thing goes when the PS4 and Xbox One versions came out. Up until last year, I went back through from start to finish, played it and beat it on Xbox, and then I started on PS4 but didn't finish the game. And there is a control layout that makes it better. But unfortunately, the control scheme of that time did not like age well. So it reinvented gameplay and stuff for the time, but 
now things have evolved because of that and gotten so much more fluid and the stop and shoot doesn't resonate as you know as good anymore it's like oh i had to do that that kind of sucks um but you know my personal opinion though as i've played the game it is still uh, a masterpiece to play it is so much fun to play the quick time events are awesome and they keep you on your toes because just when you think you've got a cut scene that you're just going to sit back and watch Metal Gear style, mm-hmm. you'll randomly have something happen and it'll be like, oh, you're going to get stabbed in the throat if you don't hit these buttons. Right. And I have so it, many times. How does it look time. on the Wii? Um, I mean, it looked like a GameCube game on the Wii. It looked good. I mean, it wasn't great. I but, actually, uh, I, you, just, I just got on Amazon and ordered it. <laughs> Oh, dude, that is, if you have a Wii, that is the way to play it, dude, 100%. So, um, it is so much fun to play that way. Uh, But yeah, so, you know, playing back through it now with modern consoles, modern controls, it takes me getting used to, um, but I'm kind of fresh into it, because like I said, I just went through it. So, right now, I'm currently playing Resident Evil 5 on the Wii, I mean, on the Switch. Mm -hmm. So, my goal is to beat... You know, Resident Evil four, five, and six on the on the Switch, and then go back and play zero, one, and then Revelations one and two. So I don't know that I'm gonna do all that this year, right? But like while I'm on the go, and we've been traveling a good bit lately, so I've just been kind of like I'll take my Switch with me, and I'll just kind of chip away at some Resident Evil games. So, uh-huh, I gotcha. But yeah, I gave it a ten. Yeah, I gave it a ten too. Like I mean, it, I remember there. There's nothing about the gameplay that wasn't really exciting at the time and it still holds up really well you know it's it's just it's a really fun game to play and they constantly keep putting you in these different scenarios different situations like you said even in the cutscenes where you're like oh man i gotta do something like there's never a point where you get tired of playing it it just it stays interesting it stays engaging and you know again just it was legendary (laughs) Yeah. For its time, like it, it managed to do so much that had never been done, and even even now you'll play a game that you can tell, hey, this they they're ripping off Resident Evil Four. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I love that you could destroy things in your environment too. I like the whole idea of like you could shoot through a door and shoot the yep. door out of the way, and then shoot the thing. Like, yeah, it just it was a great game. And yeah, that, then, that village section, being able to shoot through the door and vice versa, you know, having the chainsaw guy start cutting through the door to come. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it awesome. Was, was very good. Now I will say this, you know, Resident Evil 4 introduced the professional difficulty. Mm-hmm. Dude, playing Resident Evil games on professional is friggin' hard as balls. <laughs> it's so tough. So I, I enjoy it occasionally. I'm trying to think too. Were there any other games before this one where you had like the the directed? I can't remember if you threw grenades or if you threw dynamite, but like you could throw things that exploded, and like you you had to aim where it was going to throw. Were there any other games that did that before Resident Evil? So there was a game on PS2 called Kill Switch. Uh huh. And I, dude, I don't think I played much of it. I, I don't remember the game much, but I know it came out right about the same time, maybe just before, and it did the over the shoulder like that. Um, and and 
yeah, like having the, you know, the grenade arc and things. Mm-hmm. But I know that just that time when this game came out, it seemed like every game after it was like, oh my gosh, this is the way to do things. And I agree. Because if you go back and play older third person games, you know, like, like PsyOps and things mm-hmm. like that, like that, great games. But, you know, having your character, you know, just kind of a little forward in the center of the screen, it just, it, it's not as efficient. You know, third person over the shoulder has uh, obviously a better look to it. But man, just that whole idea of immersion, you know, you're like looking right over the shoulder. You can see your character, you're playing. And I prefer third person games over first person games. I do too. You know? I do too. So uh, definitely, definitely, in my opinion, the way to play. I like that because I like to, I like being able to see the character model. Yep. You know, visually, I like that. Also, when I get into the a lot of the first person games, like the Call of Duty type games and stuff like that, where they do, and and to some degree the the Metal Gear Solid games, things like that, they do the motion blur and all that stuff. Yeah. I'll get sick. Like I get I get queasy playing those kinds of games a lot of times. I get motion sick. Uh, but I'm good if I'm not watching someone play. If I'm playing, but if I'm watching someone play a first person game, yeah, I'm toast. Yeah, it'll it'll get me sick. So yeah, I, I I love I love everything about the way this game plays. Thank you. All right, then. Well, let's close it up with fear. You know, where do you stand on the overall fear factor of the two games? I feel like Resident Evil Four had several moments that were genuinely scary. The village is very scary, and you know some of the some of the enemies you face towards the end of it, some of the situations they put you in are genuinely scary. You know, whenever the, the first time I saw uh, the Iron Maidens, you know, or, you know, even, just, I don't know, there's something about the way it's also in, insect-like. And it's, it's still a, it's a pretty scary game. It's really kind of scarier than some of the others in the series. Because, uh, again, you never, you don't feel as strapped and, you know, ready to face it as, as you did in some of the others. You know, even though it's got more of an action flavor to it, the gothic stuff really works on me. So I'd probably give it an eight for scary, uh, for Fear Factor on on Resident Evil Four, Silent Hill, four maybe a six. It's just not as scary as the other ones because it's not it's not as well done. Like they don't they don't sell it like they need to. Well, I agree with you with Silent Hill 4. I think that it does have some genuinely creepy sections. I just, my memory is more annoyance than fear. You know, like I felt more like annoyed by the way the game handled and played Mm -hmm. much more than fear of the environments. And again, there's such a lack of, I don't know if it's enthusiasm or if it's, it's if just it's, bad storytelling. It's not. It doesn't communicate anything well. And it definitely, um, it definitely like even atmosphere. It doesn't do enough to keep you tense and as unnerved as some of the other games did. So I also grew the six. Now with Resident Evil, I gave it a seven with Fear Factor because it genuinely had some very creepy and tense parts, but. They, it also provided a way for you to be armed to the teeth if you were smart. 
like in the very beginning of the game in the village, there's these blue medallions. And if you find all the blue medallions and shoot them, the merchant will give you a gun, a handgun called the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Once you upgrade your Punisher, you can shoot through up to three enemies at a time. So when you were getting in like a crowd of people chasing you, you could put a shot through three of their chests. You, you could shoot through multiple heads at once. And so even though your first playthrough on any Resident Evil game up until, you know, six and even sometimes six really get like leads you like out of ammo. Mm-hmm. The villager, excuse me, the villager, the uh, merchant allowed you to purchase and upgrade your stuff mm-hmm. so that like, yeah, even though technically I was running out of ammo because I was choosing to shoot and fight everything. And there are big, there's several big boss battles in there. Like the game, I, I didn't feel near as tense because I could arm up. I could suit up. I could go and explore the environment, find jewelry and find things to sell to buy and upgrade my weapons. And if I played my cards right and depleted my ammo in my magazine before I upgraded my capacity, it would then fill my ammo up for me. So I didn't have to reload and waste it. And one of the best parts in Resident Evil 4, one of the best uh, features that it adds is the gun case to where you can like lay out your guns and ammo and your health and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so obviously I spent a ton of time rearranging everything. Right. So like I was like, oh dang, I want to be able to carry all of this stuff. I want to be, I was shooting fish out of the water and then collecting the fish to eat for health. So I'm like, I got to be able to carry all my fish. I got to be able to carry all my stuff. So you would get really creative in how you turned and spun your items around in your ammo case so that you could carry as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like giving me the opportunity to defend and take care of myself alleviated some of the fear factor, but I do believe at least for the first playthrough, the creepiness of the village, the, uh, the enemy types we've already talked about, and then the having to stop and shoot does add tension even though it's it's kind of a dated mechanic. Um, but the castle, man, that's really where it, it all comes together for me mm-hmm. is just the, the chanting and the whispering of the enemies. Like, that was some of the creepiest stuff, like, that game. I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I gave it a 7 for Fear Factor. Gotcha. That's fair. So. All right, so this is where I add up all of the stuff. Let me see, let me see, let me see. It probably should have been doing this as we went <laughs> You would think four times through this, I would have gotten it right. So. Yeah, I mean, they're both, they both kind of came at transitional periods. And you can tell that, you know, Resident Evil 4 was the newer model that that really was a, a big step forward. And Silent Hill 4 was very much a, a step backwards and it's something that the franchise never really recovered from. I agree. And they, you know, they say that, you know, the majority of the devs on, um, silent Hill four were, uh, the B team. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know that that's 
I don't know that for fact. That's just, you know, something I've heard mentioned multiple times in various, you know, talks about the game. Mm-hmm. So, but all right. So I got everything totaled up. Uh, Silent Hill 4 coming in at the lowest score yet with 72 points between the two of us. And then Resident Evil 4 keeping its pace, uh, landing a lot of 10s from us. Probably the one with the most 10s so far. Uh, with 126 points. So Resident Evil 4 coming out on top in a big way. Um, and I think that's no surprise. I think that anyone who is familiar with these two franchises knows that that is the you know better of the two, and some would say the pinnacle of the Resident Evil franchise. Oh, yeah. And I think and we'd have to put the numbers together just to see for sure, but I think when we add up all of these entries together within the franchises, you know, the scores we've given them. I think Silent Hill 4 being as weak as it is would allow Resident Evil to take the win as far as which franchise is a, is strongest overall. Absolutely. And the most, cause it's the most consistent overall. Yep. And it, it and <laughs> you know, this is where, um, you know, as far as the core series goes, this right here is where Resident Evil uh, deviates, you know, like score wise. Most of the next couple of games are lower, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and out there, Resident Evil Five being one of my favorite games of all time, being one of the most fun games to play, it abandons the fear factor almost entirely. Yeah, it, it's it's a completely different. It feels like a completely different franchise. If you took Chris and these other and characters like that and just you know, kind of gave them a different name. It wouldn't even be a Resident Evil game. The thing that that and I will, I'm ready. I, I love. I look forward to when we actually get to talk about this. But the thing about Resident Evil Five is, no game advances the lore or builds the universe more thoroughly than Resident Evil Five. But it it abandons its roots as far as fear goes to do that. Like. Mm-hmm. The characters it connects, the story, the everything that's going on with Umbrella, the BSAA, Tricell, everything. Like Resident Evil Five does so much for the franchise, and then the DLC it released uh, really does go back to its roots to a, in a huge way. So, um, you know, Josh, this has been fun, and I look forward to our next wave of you know these comparisons, these review roundups. You know, oh yeah. Um, this has been really, really good, and I'm I'm super excited to to move forward and, and talk about Resident Evil Five and some of these other Silent Hill games. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, do we want to uh, take a break from these two franchises and try out? Uh, we had talked about doing uh, Bioshock and, um, and Dead, Dead Space. Space. Do we want to take a break from Resident Evil for and Silent Hill for a while? Look at some of this, those other, you know, those two uh, trilogies, and then come back to Resident Evil, or do we want to keep rolling? You know, I am. Uh, I think we should let the listeners decide. All right, that sounds like a good idea. Can we put a poll up? Yeah, we'll put a poll up because this episode will go live um, in a week. You know, so from the time of recording it, um, we've got an episode going live in the morning. And then this episode will go live a week from that. So about eight days from the time of recording. Uh, and so I'll put a poll up when this one goes live and we'll let people decide which direction we go because now you kind of get into some murky territory. Right. So as far as core entries goes, Resident Evil has 
five, six, and seven, mm-hmm. and Code Veronica, which people most people argue is the true fourth Resident Evil. Right. But then you've also got the two Revelation spinoffs. You've got Survivor, Survivor Two. You've got um, uh, Dead Aim. You've got the uh, the uh, Outbreak File One and Two, Umbrella Corps, Operation Raccoon City, with Silent Hill. You've got Silent Hill Homecoming, mm-hmm. which I personally would argue that that is the, you know, Silent Hill 5. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Silent down four. four. Yep. Then you've got uh, Silent Hill Origins, which was a prequel, but I do believe is one of the strongest entries it in was, the franchise. It was. Shattered Memories came out, which was the, the remake. Yep. And, and you've got... It was um, interesting. And you've got that weird one on the Vita that's... Uh, top-down dungeon crawler, arguably the worst game in the series. <laughs> <laughs> the least Silent Hill game in Silent Hill. Yeah. So, so yeah, we can do that. We can. We'll put a poll up. We'll let listeners decide what they want us to tackle next. Um, and you know, who knows? It might. You know, they might have some suggestions for us. I think that we've given them four very in-depth uh, review. You know matchups i think that these this has been awesome to talk with you about well it seems like a lot of people i think that you know some people obviously have said that like yeah this i don't ever want to play these so i'm glad to hear about them i think it's inspired a few other people to dust these games off or try them for the first time so that's been cool too heck yeah i've seen uh i've seen some of those pictures get circulating so that's awesome so well josh man it has been a pleasure to have you yet again i always is been a great addition to the podcasting and all the things we've got going on. Uh, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your input, man. This has been good. Is there anything you want to plug before we bounce out of here? Uh, not at the moment, man. Other, you know, my, my stories and all that stuff is still, uh, you know, that's still kind of up, up and running. Eventually I'll get another one up, but uh, right now I haven't been working on a lot of uh, creative stuff. I've been kind of chipping away at some commission work and things like that. So, I don't really have a whole lot to, to 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 pimp right now, but when I do, I'm I'm sure I'll let everybody know. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I know uh, something we do have coming up very soon is we have um, a developer interview. Yeah. So that's going to be happening here in the next couple weeks, and then we've got. I noticed that. Uh, I, I think since the last time we recorded, you added or I added a. Um, I think you added it. A section in the Discord for the for Josh Adams art. Yep. And you have been putting in some truly amazing stuff in there, man. Some really, it. really disturbing stuff too. <laughs> um, so it's really yeah, there's awesome. something wrong with me. <laughs> so if you guys want to check out some of Josh Adams art, man, go to our Discord. The links are all in the description of the shows. Uh the links to uh, my band Ninja Loot, the other podcast that we do, uh, Josh Adams Art uh, is in the Discord. That link is in there, and the um, your Medium page to check out your short stories. That is also in the show notes. Uh, again, thanks for your time, and I look forward to us getting together and doing more of these review matchups. Absolutely. You are here because the outside world rejects you. This is your family. I am your father.
cross You don't remember who you are, just think about the cross I'm at a loss to know that we have come so far But half of us don't even have a clue who we are You were chosen to live a life that you take for granted Yet you still wonder why you come 